we can reach more individuals by utilizing media. They weren't autism problems. They were business problems that our employees were really helping us see. I'm very passionate about protecting people. Passage to Profit, Road to Entrepreneurship. You just heard some snippets from our show. It was a really great one, so stay tuned. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I am Kenya Gibson filling in for Richard Gearhart. I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not an attorney, but I have a couple of startups and I do the marketing for Gearhart Law. We have an amazing show coming up today. We have Amy Scruggs back as our guest. Amy has just released another song for her EP, Something to Believe In is the name of the song. She's doing keynote speaking, a whole bunch with media. We're just so excited to dig into the details with her. Yeah, and have her back. And we're also going to be joined by Tom Derry, who is the author of The Power of Potential, and Jackie Berman, who is another one of our presenters. She's an independent associate for We Are Legal Shield. So excited for the show today. Me too. Kenya, you're our Media Maven marketing specialist. What is going on in marketing today? Well, digital marketing is huge, especially in music right now. So everything's about streams and YouTube views and all of the things, right? So now, you know, artists have an opportunity to tap into the digital space to promote their music and create engagement with their fans. And Amy, that's what you're doing with your new song. And I'm so grateful. There's incredible platforms out there like Airplay Direct, which takes your music and puts it right out to global radio, utilizing YouTube, the music videos, and the opportunity for direct audience engagement in real time that doesn't happen when you're out on tour. I think it's just a tremendous way to make sure you get yourself out there. We learned a lot during COVID. I think the music industry learned a lot during COVID because I I think it was very codependent on touring and in-person appearances. And when we had that shift, like everything was already kind of happening in the digital space. And then it just got like amplified because artists had to find another way to creatively, uh, you know, connect with their audiences. So love to see that you're utilizing that space and it's working out for you. And it's fun to see other independent artists that are starting to catch on and realize, "Uh uh-oh, I better do this. And I'm noticing a lot more energy coming into that space with today's artists. So they're coming up, those that were established saying, okay, we need that audience engagement. Pick up the guitar in your living room and play to your audience. Create reasons to engage and bring that live show right to them. There you have it. Anybody who's doing anything artistic, but also I think even beyond music, digital marketing is something you have to be doing in 2023, right? You have to be where your audience is. And with that said, I would like to get some comments. This is normally Richard's round table, but we'll call it our round table. (laughs) Tom, what do you think about using digital marketing? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important. All of our marketing for my business, Rising Tide Car Wash, is pretty much all social media ads and digital marketing. And I think what we've learned that's been most important is that not just to have the same type of ads as everybody else that are, you know, trying to give away a, a service or, or do a discount, but really try to tell a story with those ads. It makes your business a little bit more personal and really shows what's different about it. You know, people get bombarded with offers all day long. I don't think those really work. And when we do our split testing, they don't work nearly as effective than when we get to tell a story about our business. Wow. That's really good. (laughs) Right. What about you, Jackie? What are your thoughts? No, I think it's great because you're getting more views and people are more likely to watch what you're saying. Like I'll get on uh, and do a live stream, just giving tips on different aspects of our business. So it's important to get out there. And also it shows your personality. 
by being live and letting people see you. Excellent. So without further ado, we are going to jump into our interview with Amy Scruggs. Amy is an incredible person. And if you want to see her on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, you can, you can see her all over social media. You can see her with her music career. So welcome, Amy. Thank you. So great to be with you guys again. Tell me all about this new song, keynote speaking, people you're training on coaching, everything you're doing. I am so thankful. You know, it's really fun when you see a plan come in motion and come together and it doesn't happen overnight. And so even releasing this last single last week, something to believe in I recorded it almost two years ago and putting a plan in motion to realize I wanted each song on the five song EP to kind of have it its own moment to breathe. And I saved this one for last for a reason, because especially kicking off here 2023 is we're really coming out on that other side of the pandemic to some degree. <laughs> we definitely are back to lives. This is that song that says thank you to people that have believed in you. You can apply it to your favorite parent, teacher, mentor, best friend. It's just saying, hey, thank you. Thank you for believing in me. And so this is really a great way, I think, to kick off the year as we stop and really realize those that are in our lives, who we'd like to say thank you to and put that message out there. I really started the year with that of saying who, who's in my life and also who came into my life last year that I didn't know existed in 2021. And wow, what incredible network we have that keeps growing. And, and I just wanted to be able to have that opportunity to put this out there and say thank you. So I'm excited, excited about the new music. That's awesome. So what was like some of the inspiration behind the song? Well, I didn't write it. I wish I could say that I did. This was one of the amazing songs pitched to me from Nashville. My And my uh, producer, Fred Mullen, he actually had the publishing on this. And the minute I heard it and heard the lyrics, it was actually a male demo, male song. I heard the lyrics and said, that is beautiful. Because the music I put out needs to be positive, especially with my life, my age, my experience, what I'm about. And this song just really resonated that positivity. And it, it I endeared to it immediately. And we decided, yes, this one has to make it. So what is a five song EP and where do people find it? Well, it's on all streaming platforms. The wonderful thing is we were talking about digital marketing and digital media. It's all there. So you can just literally put in your favorite artist name, anyone, and find them on all the streaming platforms. Wherever you go to to listen to your music, you can find that. So you'll see my name as my artist profile on iTunes or Pandora or Spotify, and it'll list all all the five songs there. What it means is that I didn't put together a full album like we used to see traditionally. I decided to make kind of this, this teaser where I picked my five best to put out there. And so an EP is anything less than I believe six songs so that it's a limited series of an album. Now I could always go back and continue and complete the album with it and record another five or six songs. And it leaves that option for that, which is nice. I like an EP. I feel sometimes artists put music out and it's like 20 tracks or so, and it's a lot to digest just right and I'm, I'm a, exactly. and I love music but sometimes I feel like there's something very exclusive and special about the EP because it's certain special pieces that comes from the artist so I I like an EP thank you I felt that way too it's how about if I just find those five none of the songs sound like the other one they've got a different message attached and then I've just kind of got my best out there without complicating it too much that is only one of your projects right yes <laughs> I'm very thankful to be doing a lot of full-time media coaching but with that brings a tremendous opportunity of keynote speaking and being able to go out and really bring new ideas and new thoughts to this wonderful digital world that we have and how to utilize media today to level up their nonprofit or their business. If you're a solopreneur, if you're running a business, how to come together and say, we can create more visibility. We can reach more individuals by utilizing media. And so it's been really fun as I've been able to speak a lot with women's conferences. I'm a Rotarian. I'm a proud Rotarian. And so it allows me the opportunity to go speak 
speak at Rotarian conferences and leadership conferences, because it's amazing when people out there changing the world, what's sad is when we don't know about it and we don't see it. So let's level up and let's create that opportunity to make it visible. And I really do enjoy those opportunities and the privilege of being on a stage to be able to empower others in this way. Well, that's excellent. I mean, it's true. If you have something wonderful you're doing or wonderful you've created, you really need to let the rest of the world know about it. Otherwise, you don't want it sitting in a shoebox in your closet and nobody using it as wonderful as it could be. And I think too, that the learning curve for us, all of us is very steep. There's so much to every little piece of this, that to have somebody kind of just boil it down to the essentials and give a presentation is important. And it's essential. We cannot stay stuck in the way things used to be. And a lot of times with service organizations or a lot of great nonprofits, you've got people that are giving their all to making a difference in the community, but they're still maybe putting flyers on the table or using old ways of marketing. And you know, what's great is that media wants to hear these great stories. TV Mm -hmm. news wants that feel good story to, to place into the other stuff that they've got going on. It's sometimes just a phone call or an email to say, Hey, we're going to be out feeding the homeless this weekend. Would you like to come and cover this? Or we're doing this great outreach for, for children in our school district. Would you like to come and cover this? And a lot of times I'd say most of the times it's pretty easy to get a news channel or a newspaper or somebody out there to say, yes, we want to cover this. And isn't that helping to help more people. We're so multi-sensory and I think stories like tap into all those things, the feelings, the emotion of it all. What would you say, because I know you're also a motivational speaker and you're a singer. So do you think it's easier for you to connect to people or do you find it easier to sing in front of people or speak in front of people? Ooh, that's a good question because they're, they're so different. And I think with anything, once you train and learn, I can say I feel pretty equal about both. Singing definitely came first because I started singing at the age of three. And so grew up that that was my first comfort and first love. Speaking came later. Now I feel just as confident and passionate about it. But if I had to tip the scale, I would say performing or singing comes first. There's just something magical about that and connecting with an audience. Speaking you have to really make sure that you're keeping your energy up, that you're engaging. And most importantly, that I'm reading my audience. If I start to notice they're falling asleep or they're picking up their cell phone, I'm not going the right direction and I need to be able to correct immediately. So there's a lot more of following that audience when you're speaking and making sure, especially if we're educating or empowering, that is a lot more of a mental discipline than maybe performing a song. The people that can actually get up there and sing and feel good about it and perform are kind of few and far between, even though you think there's millions of them if you watch American Idol and all that stuff, but not really. So that's really important to be able to do that. And it makes people feel good. Like I think the music affects people on a whole different level, Mm -hmm. right? And what's really fun is there's times that I get to combine both in one appearance. I did a conference a couple months back where I was the keynote speaker and I ended it with my song, What If It All Goes Right? So it was really fun if there's an opportunity. And what's fun is if those that only know me as a coach or as a speaker and they hear me sing, they go, ah, I didn't know that. And those that know me only for my music are surprised to find out that I do keynote speaking and that I'm a communications coach. So it's really fun. Yes, they run side by side and somehow I manage to do both, but they feed each other. And I think they bring credibility and experience that allows me to be a better coach and a better performer. And you may have talked about this on the last time you were on Passage of Profit, but when you started off in your career, so you started off initially singing. and Oh, and yes. Then... The five-year-old thought she was going to be Barbara Mandrell. Absolutely. <laughs> and But it's evolved into all these different avenues for you, which I think sometimes we limit ourselves and like that one thing that we're that that's our dream and what we want to do and God's really good at like oh you're also good at this and you're also good at that and like 
now you can morph into this multifaceted personality or whatever you're representing in the space, right? So I think that's kind of cool that you've evolved into all these different things. And I'm so thankful for it because I look back and realize if I had only just been a singer, let's say right out of high school, that's all I did. I would not have the tools to understand running the business behind it, to understand how I can shift and grow and evolve and bring other facets into what I can do. It was kind of being forced into the big girl job. I had to provide. I had a house to run. I had kids to feed. And I stepped into the financial realm with wholesale mortgage in Southern California. So the real estate and mortgage world. And I didn't know anything. I really had to learn the hard way. What I did know how to do was communicate and realize that being comfortable in front of others was going to be a success model for me. So I could basically talk my way through anything is what I'm saying until I learned that business. I am so thankful for that today. That created my network. It created opportunities. It created tools. I had failures. I had to learn how to take no. I had to learn how to get back up and do it again. There was so many adjustments that took place by stepping into that world that I wouldn't know how to do what I do today had I not taken all of those different jobs that maybe we don't want to do to actually doing my passion the right way. I think I would have screwed it up if it had happened any other way. Yeah, I agree with you. And what's interesting is similarly, when I started off in radio, I lost my first on-air gig due to like the syndication issue and then ended up having to go into sales and marketing. And it was just frustrating, right? Because right. I'm like, God, this is not the plan. But he's like, oh, wait, but it is the plan, but right? So going on to the back end and learning the business and the behind the scenes and all of the things that go into media was super helpful because now I know the business and I right. know how it moves. And it just, it gives you the ability to really do both well because you get it. And we see that looking backwards, which is beautiful. And it's hard to explain that sometimes to younger entrepreneurs. Like, no, you want, you want to go through this pain. Walk it, walk it, walk it, do it. Yeah. And I was just going to say, thank God Kenya knows this business because that's another thing. So Richard and I got into this. Richard knew how the patent attorney business worked when he started Gearheart Law, right? He had been on radio long ago. We didn't know anything about how the whole media business works. So thank God we had Kenya who had been doing the whole back end. And then, you know, after we felt comfortable. We thought, well, you know, we really should have Kenya on our show because she's so good and it really has evolved, but we could mm -hmm. never have done this without Kenya who yeah. really knew the business, but we did know how to run a business. So knowing how to run a business, if you're going to do any venture on your own is super important and teaching yourself one way or another. I mean, we didn't go to business school, but we read a lot of books and we, now you, I guess you listen to a lot of podcasts. It really is amazing because now you see how Kenya coming into your life and her walking those painful experiences or jobs she didn't want has allowed her to be exceptional for what you guys do here. And then the same vice versa. It's so fun when you see it play out later, you go, ah, that's why I needed to do that. And I get that. So I see that those hard times as experience, even when the mortgage and real estate industry, it collapsed in 2007. I mean, that career that was providing for me disappeared overnight. And that's when I realized I needed to put that same business plan that I had used and learned in that and put it into my music. And that's when I started touring and went out and asked for the business as a touring recording artist and was able to be successful with that. And if I had not had that training before, I think I'd still be crying under a rock somewhere in 2007. <laughs> Right. Well, and when I worked in corporate, people always said, have something else that you can do that you could eventually make money at, have some yes. sort of hobby or some other interest. And, you know, that was back a few years ago. I'm not going to say how many, <laughs> I don't want to date myself, but it's even more true today because Blockbuster is gone, for instance. I mean, yes. things come and go, right? 
and you never know what's going to be here tomorrow. So that's a whole other thing with this whole digital marketing and learning what's new and how to use it and how to use it in today's world is really important. We have to be able to shift. Imagine if Blockbuster, I love that you used that example. Imagine if a moment they realized, let's shift. Here they had an entire audience, millions of customers that loved movies. If they had shifted into that download and streaming, like Netflix started mailing them to our house, then they went to the streaming. Imagine if Blockbuster hadn't just said, well, that's it, we quit. What they could have still been. And I think we are presented opportunities to continue to shift and move into other industries. And those of us that take it are allowed to move on with more tools and have future successes. There really is something to be said for having a backup plan. I wonder though, is there really the backup plan? So I really have only a plan A and my plan A is like, it's working in different ways, but it's ultimately the plan, right? So I think I'm discovering some little different nuances along the way, but it's definitely the plan A. I think I had plan A, B, and C, and thankfully now they've all morphed together, but at Mm -hmm. the time they were completely separate from each other. Yeah. Passage to Profit, The Road to Entrepreneurship with Richard Elizabeth Gearhart and Kenya Gibson sitting in for Richard Gearhart today. Our guest is Amy Scruggs and we'll be right back. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearhart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearhartLaw.com. At Gearhart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I am Kenya Gibson filling in for Richard Gearhart. And I'm here with my co-host, Elizabeth. And we've just been talking to Amy Scruggs. She is a coach. She is a singer. She is all the things in the media space with the coaching and the public speaking. But you made a really good point about the importance of your network right? And how that plays into your success. So why don't you touch a little bit on that? It is critical that we establish a network from day one. So even if you're young and this is your first job, who there do you connect with and staying in touch, which we have resources to do for myself. Every time there was another advancement or opportunity, it came from within my network. As my daughter reminded me last night, even she was having an issue with a colleague and said, I know mom, I never burn a bridge. I said, don't because you just don't know. You don't know what maybe somebody's going through at that time. You can be respectful. You can distance yourself if you need to, but your network is your power. And you don't know if that person might recommend you later for something that you need or want. And for me, that was really a key component. That first boss, it was an amazing woman that took a chance on me and gave me that job in wholesale mortgage. I didn't know anything. This was my first big girl job. She said, I'm going to take a chance on you. We are still connected and friends to this day. I still reach out to her periodically and just say, thank you. What I'm doing today is still a result of what you did for me back in 2000. Thank you for your influence and love in my life. My new album came about because of an 18 year relationship in Nashville where we just stayed connected. Thank you. Thank you for always believing in me. Thank you for what you did for me back then. 
and then the opportunities presented themselves. And I don't keep the relationships because I want the opportunities. It's genuine, but it's important. Also, if I, I just meet you all here today and you say, Amy, gosh, I really need a resource for something. Do you have it? I probably do because my network is so important. I can reach out and say, Hey, I have a colleague who has a need for this. Can you help with that? Do you have somebody for that? And it's a powerful way to continue moving ourselves forward and navigating through multiple careers, maybe, which is what's been the case for me. It's interesting that I can look back and see my network with sales professionals in real estate and mortgage, industry professionals in Nashville, and through some of my clients in other industries as a coach, and it's all woven together. I think that that's really important. And I want to get back out to events. I don't know. There's just something people need about that togetherness. We were going to talk about digital marketing versus physical events, how they work together, when you should use one versus the other. What do you think about that? I think it's really fun to pair the two together now. So for example, I go to an event and I see colleagues maybe I haven't seen in a while. What a great opportunity to take a quick video together, to take a photo together and post and give them a shout out. Hey, so fantastic to see my dear friend who's just crushing it in such and such business. Make sure you check it out. There's ways that we can utilize and make that connection again and still use it as a wonderful opportunity to promote each other, our own businesses, and create that visibility. Also, maybe attracting more individuals to want to come to that event when you have it again, if you're the one hosting it. Like I think back when I was touring and some of the most amazing shows that I did and working with the veterans. And this was the time before we had digital marketing. I mean, Facebook was only to find your high school friends. I didn't have YouTube. I didn't have TikTok. I didn't have Instagram. And I can't even imagine what I could have done with those moments that were so powerful if I could have put them out there on a platform to empower others. I don't have that. I have photos in an old hard drive. We have the tools today to create amazing network opportunities while still being in our in-person opportunities. And I think it's about balance, too, because I'll be quite honest. Meeting people now with the layer of social media and all this connectedness that we have can be exhausting sometimes. So I like I try to be really purposeful about like yes. what I pick and choose to go to just because it's just overstimulating sometimes. Like sometimes again, I'm like, oh, like that was a lot. So I think it's just being like purposeful with those opportunities and like learning who's going to be in the room ahead of time so that you're, yes. you, you know, making a good use of your time. So, and, and being intentional about who you want to connect to when you go to an event, right? So I, what I try to do before I go to stuff is find out who's going to be in the room. I can't stand there and do the cold networking thing where I'm, I have to dry talk to people and force talk because that doesn't work well. So as a non-networker, I've learned a way to kind of navigate the room and kind of break the ice beforehand. But that's brilliant. You are maximizing your resources that way. You know exactly what you want to do. You've planned it out and you're still utilizing those network opportunities without exhausting yourself. And like anything else, putting a plan in motion is what creates that success. I love what you're doing with that. And sometimes I think when you meet people in person, the relationships go a little deeper. And then if you keep going to the same networking events, and we tried doing that the last couple of years over Zoom and everything. And it's pretty good, but it's not exactly the same. And so I do think there needs to be some sort of balance. But we were also going to talk about your book. What is the name of your book? Lights, Camera, Action, Media Coaching for Any Professional in Today's Digital World. And when did you write that? I wrote that like many other authors right at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> it's like, okay, we have some time here. I might as well take some of these coaching tips that are up in my head. And I was full-time hosting TV when all of that hit. I mean, it shut me down instantly like everyone else. And I also decided that it needed to not just be about me. I reached out to some key network individuals, again, back to the network, but I reached out to people that I really 
trusted, that were experts in the space of specific categories for each chapter and said, hey, would you mind? Would you mind contributing to this? I'd love to know your thoughts on the power of, of finding the right message, on the power of first impressions. And it was really fun because, again, everybody else had free time. They all said yes. So this book came together with not just my tips and takeaways, but also some other great professionals that are very well known that contributed to this book. And for that, I'm very proud. Nice. Well, can you share a couple tips with us? My favorite one is looking into the camera, not being afraid of that camera, making sure you're making eye contact. If you're on camera in a Zoom meeting, in anything, in our virtual meetings, we want to recreate that in-person feel. If we're laying back or slouching or kind of not engaged, it's going to show the same way as if we were sitting together at a table and giving that same body language and impression. My favorite tip, though, is really clean the lens. Everyone, please start cleaning the lens on your cell phone, both sides, both cameras, and your computer camera. It's amazing what can happen and how much clearer you can appear by cleaning the lens. It's It's got to be one of those daily habits. And the third thing that's in there that I teach often is taking out those filler words. We have a habit of those filler words. And I notice it a lot in professionals of all industries, all experience levels, of maybe starting those sentences with, yeah, um, so the long ands, and then I was going to do this. And so really starting to craft in, how would I say this if I was writing it and start speaking it the same way? It can really just level up the professionalism and how you present yourself. It's weird because we just moved to new studios and there's all these cameras everywhere. So where, you know, I'm traditionally in broadcast, radio in particular, there was none of that before, right? right? So this whole COVID thing forced us in this whole Zoom world, forced us into this new space where we have to be present on yes. every single level. And it's a lot. I actually have to do my makeup when I come to work now. All the time. Yes. To, I'm like, we have oh. to sit up straight all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and to that point, Richard and I forced ourselves to watch these Zoom videos of us doing the show. And I got to admit, we were somewhat horrified. <laughs> it's eye-opening, isn't it? We all can learn by watching ourselves, correct? That's true. Some of our facial expressions. Self-awareness is a key component to really being ready to have cameras on, like like Kenya, cameras on you all the time. That self-awareness of what is my normal body posture? How do I sit? What is my face doing? And all those different things that can allow you to start forgetting about it and then go back into your natural way of doing business. But getting familiar with yourself can really change that narrative. Yeah. And we're all very self-aware, right? And, and yes. the one thing that I'll say about that is I don't want to overanalyze myself because I just think that takes away from the authenticity of like being a human and not feeling like you always have to be on or you always have to be a certain way. I think people also appreciate the realness of things, you know, and some days we all have an off day, right? And I have to, you know, hide behind sunglasses or judge whatever I have to do to make it work. So we, I also want to live in reality and not in this false perception of looking or having it all together because we don't have it all together all the time. No, I, I myself don't. included. But some individuals don't have any awareness at all and they need to start somewhere. So maybe they mm -hmm. can just bring it up to where, okay, I'm okay with this. Sure. Because I, I hear a lot of people say, no, I don't want to be on camera. I've seen professionals give up opportunities for a news clip or for being on television because they mm -hmm. don't want to be on camera because they don't like how they look or how they sound. Mm -hmm. And what I say in my public speaking is I, I didn't see anybody come into this room with a bag over their head. Mm -hmm. You're taking that face out with you everywhere. It's time to get comfortable with it. True. Sometimes, though, when you, you put on this too perfect of a persona, when people see you in real life, they're like, oh, that's why I like to give people a balance because they'll get both versions and they'll be like, OK, 
I know what she really looks like. Otherwise, it's all about the balance. You're absolutely <laughs> right. It is about the balance and saying, okay, this is me. This is where we're going to sit in that fine middle. I'm right. aware. I'm still me. I'm still authentic. I'm still approachable. And now you're ready to kind of take those next steps forward. And you'll likely see me in my gym clothes 90% of the time. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it's quite the shock for people when they see my Zoom photo which is like the placeholder photo if you don't have your video on. And then they see me on Zoom. <laughs> I think this really good glam photo done. The business <laughs> glam photo, like two hours of hair and makeup, right? When like years ago. And, and it looks really good. It's like probably the best photo of me that exists in, in my life. And I use that. Which <laughs> is great. We live in a world great. of filters. We live in a world of filters. Yes. So nobody looks like what you think they look like. Let's just put it that way. What else do you think people need to know about standing out and how to speak? Well, I guess too, because you're a coach on a lot of different things. Just really knowing what your message is, who you are, finding out who you are and being able to put that out there, even if it's sending video messages, which I'm a huge proponent of. I really coach this a lot and I use it in practice. So let's say we were talking about being in a networking event. So you meet somebody that's like, wow, that was the person I wanted to meet. I really want to be connected. After that event, I will actually send them a video message if they've given me their contact info and say, it was really fantastic to meet you. I want them to see my face, my intent, hear my voice versus just a text. And it's amazing how that really levels up the instant connection. And nine times out of 10, somebody will send me back a video message, which I love. It creates that instant connection. And I think we can use these tools for interpersonal times as well. That is just between me and that person, but you're seeing my face and you're hearing my voice and you know that I really genuinely am grateful that you came into my life today. I think that's brilliant. You know, one thing I wanted to do that we haven't done that you just reminded me of with the Gearheart Law website was when people contact the website, we actually shot like a 10 second video of Richard saying, thank you for contacting mm -hmm. the firm. We'll get back to you shortly. You get more information from videos than you do from an email or even just a photo of somebody. And I find it time effective. I can send five videos in six minutes that would have taken me a half hour to write those emails. And it's right. really helpful. <laughs> right. I do feel like you tell your story with your music too. So something to believe in and what if it all goes right? That's your story, right? Yes. And I'm so thankful for it. That is that creative expression. That's the three-year-old that started singing. That's the, the passion and the actual core foundation of me that knows I can tell that story through music. And I'm so grateful for it. Listeners, you are listening to Amy Scruggs with Kenya Gibson and Elizabeth Gearhart on Passage to Profit, The Road to Entrepreneurship. We're going to go to another break. And then we have two more presenters. And you're really going to want to hear what they have to say. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Hi. I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later, and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not? make it you. If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And standing in for Richard Gearhart is Kenya Gibson, and our guest is Amy Scruggs. And now we are going to go to our Power Move segment. 
Kenya, who's our power move today? Yes. Yeah, so for power move today, we are going to be talking about Sidney Keys third. He's a 16-year-old author of Books in Bros. And he has a subscription service that he decided that he was going to start for boys in the urban community who weren't exposed to reading and to the arts. So he wanted to make reading accessible and fun. So he started this book subscription service that's affordable. He's also been donating books. He's donated over a thousand books to underserved communities of color that don't have access. And I thought the fact that he was 16 years old, he was already an author, and then he already started this subscription service was a superpower move. So he is who we're giving power move to today. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Now we're on to my startups. So I have an online video directory of small businesses. I started it right before COVID and it's gone through many iterations. I'm working on the website now and we're into a new iteration, but I think I'm getting close. As soon as this website is done, that I'm going to do another soft launch and really try to get this thing running fast, faster than it has been. But I need to get the website right first. I did proof of concept and showed that it works. Now it's time to put some money into it. <laughs> and then- I also started a podcast. We got a kitten and he's got this problem and it's gone so far as Kenya's sister, who's a vet, has looked at his pictures and given me some good advice too, because I've dragged this poor cat to so many different vets. And I decided to start a podcast to see if anybody in the community had seen this problem with the cat before. And I was thinking about starting it. Let's just say that on a Saturday after picking up his medicine, Richard and I were talking about it on Sunday, I went to this event and somehow started talking to Danielle Woolley, who is really into cats and has done a lot of cat rescue. And I just got this sense like from the universe. And I said to Danielle, I said, I'm thinking about starting this cat podcast. And Danielle said, I'm thinking about doing something new. I didn't even know Danielle. She is beyond amazing. And she's really good with tech, <laughs> which helps a lot. She's got, she's very well-spoken. She's attractive. I mean, the whole work. So we're really having a lot of fun with this cat podcast. So we're going to just keep growing this and just have fun with it. So Kenya wanted to introduce our presenter for today. It's Tom Derry. He's the author of The Power of Potential and the founder of Rising Tide Car Wash. So welcome to Passage to Profit. Thank you. It's so awesome to be here with you both today. My family started Rising Tide Car Wash because my brother, Andrew, who has autism, was just finishing high school and we were really nervous about what Andrew was going to be able to do with his life after school. And he had grown into a really confident, capable, and kind young man, but we were finding that the employment opportunities for Andrew and, and other people with autism were really hard. There, there weren't a lot of opportunities for him to lead the full adult life that we knew he was capable of, so we were going to have to take action. So my dad, who had been an entrepreneur at this point for over 20 years, and I decided to start looking at trying to build a business that could not only employ him, but could employ a lot of other people with autism and really be purposely built to empower people with autism. So we looked at a bunch of different businesses and we loved car washes. It's a really process-driven business, very detail-oriented. It's out front and center in the community. And we felt it was really scalable because car washes are something that exists in most communities across the U.S. So this goal of employing people with autism for 80% of our staff really guided everything else that we did at that point. And 
over the time, uh, we built a successful business. We took a struggling car wash that was washing about 35,000 cars a year when we purchased it. It's now washing over 170,000 cars a year. And we've got two other locations that are just as successful as the first. And in doing that, we learned that a lot of the problems we had to solve to employ people with autism they weren't autism problems. They were really general business problems that our employees were really helping us see much more clearly than most employees would let you see. We like to think about individuals with autism and employees with autism as extreme users of organizational systems. They have the same needs as everyone else. They're just more apparent. So it makes it easier to identify and solve problems by working for and with them. That is wonderful. I mean, what a purpose-driven business model. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's definitely something that's grown out of a family need, but it's really become something so much more than that. It's something that we genuinely enjoy doing and really works. I mean, we have a turnover rate that's less than five times the normal turnover rate of a car wash. We've built really great customer relationships and really learned how to design systems that work better for everyone by employing people with autism. We were talking before the show, and I have to agree with you. One of your tenets is that you actually give people clear instructions on what to do. And that's a struggle for a business. I work in Richard's law firm, and the attorneys just kind of expect an administrative person to know what to do when they've never seen it before. And for any business, there needs to be, when I worked in the chemical industry, they called it the standard operating procedure. And the standard operating procedure had all the procedures that a person would do to accomplish a task. And I think you focus in on that. And that probably is a lot of what helps you be successful, right? Absolutely. I mean, role ambiguity is something that really plagues a lot of organizations, especially ones like, like you're talking about, right? We have someone who's an expert in their business, who's running this organization and thinks that we don't need to spell everything out because it's obvious, right? That's, that's very typical in a lot of organizations. And uh, most of the time, a typical employee will kind of try to figure it out on their own, may not ask for help because they're afraid of looking like they're incompetent, but certainly won't be doing their best work because they'll be spending way more time than you think trying to figure out how to do something that could have easily been spelled out much more clearly, could have been refined over time to be as efficient as possible. And then allowing that employee to really focus on what's most important about their work. And, you know, our employees, they needed that clear instruction, that clear guidance from day one. That was very obvious. But that really allowed us to build systems that not only for our employees with autism, but for all of our employees, very easy to train them up, quick, efficient. You can get somebody, you know, today we can take someone who knows absolutely nothing about car washes and we can turn them into a location manager in less than three months, which is something that beforehand would have been really difficult if it was simply learning by doing. Is this a scalable model for you in terms of growth and expansion? I feel like if you have this in place, like, have you ever thought of turning it into a, maybe a franchise model to scale it? We're really excited to continue to grow the business. And right now we're really focused on company-owned locations, but we're looking at growing through partnership in a few key markets across the U.S. And I think, you know, what's interesting, because we, we've gone back and forth about the franchise model a lot, but for us, a lot of it is being able to maintain and control culture, which I think is really difficult in a franchise model. So that's kind of why we're, we're focusing on, you know, being maybe an operating partner with, with other organizations, maybe other families that want to get involved that have some means and want to do a couple car washes around their community, being able to maintain control of the operation is really important for us. Amy, did you have a question or comment? Yes, mine's a little bit more on a personal level, but I would love to know how 
running this business and seeing the growth and success and the lives you're impacting, how that's impacted you. What do you see differently now with these years of success that maybe you didn't realize before? So I go back to this idea that so much of what makes us successful in any given thing that we're doing is context. You would look at most of our employees, if you just met them on the street or just tried to have a conversation with them, you would probably quickly say there's no way that they'd be able to be an awesome employee. You know, that's because the skills you're asking them to use in that conversation, being able to make great eye contact, being able to be really expressive, being able to understand social cues. These are things that they may struggle with. But when you put them in a context where things are clear, very streamlined, very focused on results, they become some of the best employees you could imagine. And, you know, that's been such a wake up call in so many areas of my life because that context exists everywhere, right? We so often, even on an individual level, we get really mad at ourselves, like when we can't do something, right? We start to talk down to ourselves, start to be our worst critic. And if we take a step back, and look at it, it's probably there were things, whether it be environmental, maybe you didn't eat breakfast that day, maybe you didn't prepare properly for what you were trying to do. Maybe if you had practiced before you tried to have that conversation, you would it would have gone better, right? There's all these other factors at play that aren't necessarily our innate skill and generally aren't our innate skill, but more contextual. And I really try to do that in everything in my life, really think about things that way. That's a huge takeaway. I mean, those are some powerful key components that you've put together. And that can also continue making a direct impact on every life that you touch in every facet. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's something that we, we try to coach all of our managers on too. try to understand that context is absolutely the king. And we have to always learn to take perspective. And I think that is another thing about learning that context is so important is that it makes it so much easier to take perspective and ask questions and get curious. And that often leads to learning that we never really would get to if we just made an assumption and kind of stuck with it. No, I just true. Cause I love to wash my car. Um, nice. <laughs> so I just curious, like what kind of services you offer? Like, is it a drive-through car wash? What are the services you offer? Yeah, They're conveyorized car washes. So the actual exterior cleaning of the car washes is done through a tunnel system. So what you'd see, you drive into the car wash, you go onto a conveyor, there's a bunch of different uh, mechanisms and, and soaps and chemicals that are you know, cleaning your vehicle. And then when the car exits the car wash, we offer interior cleaning. So we'll vacuum your car. Uh, we do some really basic detailing. And then we also have complimentary vacuums for anybody who doesn't want us to do the professional cleaning, but just kind of wants to handle it themselves. So these are called flex service car washes. They exist in a lot of places in the country, but not everywhere. And, and we feel like they're really the best business model that you can have. That sounds really great. I mean, I can't imagine going to a car wash and vacuuming it myself. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> A lot of people do. You'd be surprised. I do. I don't like to, but I do. I did want to touch on your book, The Power of Potential. Can we talk about that a little? Absolutely. Yeah. So our goal as an organization, right, is to be able to employ as many people with autism as we can. And you know, we can do only so much of that in our own work, right, in, in the direct employment that we can create through our car washes. So we, we really, from day one, have really asked ourselves, how do we share what we're learning in a way where a lot of organizations can benefit from it? And, you know, over time, we learned that these problems that we were solving, how to hire objectively, how to build clarity into an organization, how to develop managers who really believe in the people that they're employing and really are dedicated to developing their skills, and how to work with employees who are struggling to gain insights into 
how to build your business more effectively. These are all things that we felt were really universal things that we could share with other organizations that would not only make them more inclusive, but would really make them more competitive. And in doing that, we feel like that will really hopefully will help other organizations copy what we've learned and generally get more people with autism employment. And the book is called The Power of Potential, How a Non-Traditional Workforce Can Lead You to Run Your Business Better. Amy? I just want to say a huge congratulations on that and even taking the time to put the book together. How was that process for you? I'm curious as a fellow author, how that process was for you really seeing the book come together and come to light. I mean, it's, it's been so cool. It's been such a journey. I started this in 2018 and I started to write and I'm not a very good writer. So it was really difficult for me to get anybody to like read the proposal in the first couple chapters and be like, yeah, I want to, I want to represent that. But I luckily, because of my network, right, we just, we talked about how important networking is. I have a wonderful mentor named Chris Yee, who has been a best-selling author and has a, a great agent named Lisa Demona. And she was willing to just kind of give it to me straight. She's like, Tom, it's a killer idea, but your writing is garbage. You need help. And so she got me uh, connected with Sarah Grace, who, who's on the cover of the book, and she's my, my collaborator, who's an unbelievable writer, and was really able to help me frame a lot of these ideas in a way where it'd be interesting to read. So once I had this team together, the book really came together incredibly well. We were able to have HarperCollins leadership buy it and publish it. So I've got just a great team, and, and I'm, I'm so excited to see how it unfolds. And now that people are really getting it into their hands and starting to hopefully see some of these ideas and put them into practice in their own businesses. Oh, it needed to be out there. It needed to be said and the power of the network, right? That's right. Excellent. So one more time, where do people find your book? You can find it on our website at risingtidecarwash.com or on Amazon or anywhere that you buy books. Excellent. So Kenya, we're on to our final presenter. We are. And I want to welcome Jackie Berman to Passage to Profit. Tell us a little bit about your business and your background. The company's name is actually PPLSI and Legal Shield and ID Shield or under PPLSI. I am an entrepreneur from way back. I've gone through a lot of different changes and you have to keep your options open and you always have to be willing to change and grow with things that are happening. And PPLSI and Legal Shield, ID Shield, I've been a member for about 11 years. It's, it's a subscription basis company and we have identity theft and legal services. And I became involved with it because I'm very passionate about, first of all, protecting people. My background going back to way back, which I call BC, which is before children, um, <laughs> my life, <laughs> um, I was a social worker. So my background has always been helping people and caring about people. And with my background also, personally, I was a very young widow and I really want to protect everybody. And one of our things with Legal Shield is making sure everybody is protected with an updated will. And then we also protect people with identity theft. Wills are super important, right? Yes. I, probably if you ask the majority of people, they do not have a will in place. 70% do not. I do not. Yes. I'm not proud of saying that, um, <laughs> but it's something that I do need to take care of. And identity theft, I get phone calls now and I feel like people are trying to leak into my phone. It's very scary out here when it comes to identity theft. Correct. And we are rated number one by Forbes magazine and Money magazine for restoration. Um, so really proud of the company and what we do to help you. And we have private investigators that will go out there and restore your identity to pre-theft state. 
and there's nothing that you could do to stop it, but you could be able to monitor it and restore it when it does get stolen. This morning, just yes. literally this morning, I looked at my credit card statement online because I look at it almost every day and there was a Grubhub charge for $82 on there. And I texted Richard, who's traveling and said, did you do this? He said, no. So I called the bank. I said, cancel my credit card. Don't pay the Grubhub charge. Do you think they just got my credit card number or could that be something worse? It could be worse. You don't know what else they might have. You know, I always say people's information is out there. It's a matter of time when it's going to be used. I was lucky enough talking about, I was with a radio show also. We had a talk show and he's still on air. And we got to interview Frank Abengale, who was the person who was Catch Me If You Can. And I got to interview him. And he also believes everybody's information is out there. It's a matter of time as to when they're going to use it. And with companies being breached, you don't have control over when a breach happens. Equifax was breached about five years ago. 143 million people's information is there. They can't use it at that one time. So they'll wait and hold it back and maybe five, six years in the future, they'll start using it. And it's out there on the dark web for sale. So we do monitor to make sure your information's not there. So scary. I mean, just to say the word dark web, what is that? It's something that we don't know about, but the bad people do. They know how to maneuver it where I don't know how to maneuver it. And that's why I have the company that I'm with. Right. Amy, do you have a question or a comment? Yes, I would love to know if you have a favorite story, uh, maybe a client story of, wow, because we came in here, this was the outcome, maybe with planning a will or maybe with the fraud protection. Do you have a favorite story that really touched your heart, which also shows the why you do what you do? We have a lot of stories, but one story was a gentleman was driving home from Thanksgiving dinner because our attorneys are available 24-7. It's a tap of an app in case of an emergency. He was pulled over at 2 o'clock in the morning coming home from Thanksgiving because he was driving a nice car. He was being pulled over. He called the law firm and had an attorney on the line before the police officer got to the car, before he got to the window of the car. Officer had him pulled down the window and... He says, all right, why'd you pull me over? He couldn't give him a reason. He says, well, I have my attorney on the call. I handed him the phone, and the police officer did not believe it was an attorney. He proved it was an attorney and said, why'd you pull my client over? Was he speeding? No. Was he driving in and out? No. Was he driving carelessly? No. Well, why'd you pull him over? Was he on his cell phone? No. And because he had an attorney on the line, he had to let him go. Who knows what would have happened if he didn't have an attorney on the line? And that's the power of the company. So do you pay a subscription base? It's a monthly base. Got it. Okay. Yes. And it covers the whole family. And that includes getting your will done. You could get your will done every single year. And how many people who have pets don't even include the pets in their will to make plans for their pets? You have to have plans for your children too. But how many pets get ended up in a shelter and a rescue because there are no plans for the family? You know, my own brother passed away with five dogs and there was no plan. And all five of them, because we could not take them, ended up in a shelter. Jackie, I would love to know when you're advising young adults, how you approach the 
the topic of a will. How soon into having this conversation with young adults should they also have a will? When is the right time to have that conversation and implement that? That's a great question because I was 31 when I became a widow. I have friends, their children passed away at the age of 27, 19. And it's not only having a will, but what about your healthcare power attorney and your living will? You need to have somebody there to make sure decisions are being made. What about if you're in a coma and medical decisions have to be made? You don't want to have the family fighting over what to do. It should have been your decision right along. And I always say when you're making that will up or your living will, healthcare power attorney, make sure more than one person is on there to make the decision. Because of the fact that if you were in a car accident and both of you were in a coma, you want somebody else to be able to make the decision. And that happened. A friend of mine who is an attorney had a living will and they only had the father and the mother were the decision makers. Well, guess what? They were both had COVID at the same time. They both were in a coma at the same time and they had to make a decision about the mother. They were going to have to go to court. And with COVID the way it was, there's no courts opened. Luckily, the father woke up long enough to sign off for the daughter to be the decision maker. But make sure you always have more than one person as a decision maker. And make sure that also try to make sure that they're not in the same household so they won't be in the same car together or they won't be traveling together. Yeah, and make sure the decision maker isn't mad at you or hates you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like, my decision maker, one lives in Seattle and one lives in Chicago. So this way I know, and they both love me. (laughs) Yeah, you and I talked about, I had this loose agreement with my daughter that I've told her I will always have cats till the day I die. So when I die, you're taking my cats. And she said, okay. So I probably need to attach a few financial strings to that. (laughs) Same. I need to do that for my shoes. Whoever gets my shoes. (laughs) going to get your shoes. (laughs) But I I have designated social media so that if something happens to me, two friends have my logins to know that they could go onto my social media to reach out to people. (laughs) Oh, who else would would be able to log in and be able to tell the world something happened? Exactly. And people don't think about that, but they need to have everything in place because COVID showed that anything could happen at any time, at any age, and people really need to be prepared. So do you have to list every single little thing? I mean, Richard and I sat down to do it and we never finished it because he has this kind of superstition. About it, which You said it's a love letter to your children. So put, put those feelings aside, but they're like, you have Elizabeth, you have to list every single piece of jewelry and every, this, every, that. is that really what you have to do? It depends on how much you have. I have jewelry left from my mother. And I did list that as specifically who's going to get that jewelry. But it depends on the value, you know, as to whether or not you have to list everything. And we have a questionnaire. The questionnaire makes it so easy. You just answer the questions. And it makes you, you don't have to think about it. Just follow the questionnaire and it's completed. So then in there, do people get credit towards your estate if they like go through and clean out the thousands of pounds of clothes I have in my closet? <laughs> <laughs> you get the, yeah, it's donation. It would be a, a considered a, a donation because when my mother passed away, yes, I, I donated quite a bit. And yes, we did get a credit for that for tax purposes. Oh, that's nice. Yes. But we have attorneys there that would be able to talk to you about writing the will. So what are your most common cases that people come to you for? 
it could be just everyday life. I just had a call the other day that she was frantic because of the fact that she got a letter from her ex-husband that he was taking her to court. So this way she had an attorney that she could speak to and talked her off the ledge because she was going crazy. You know, so it's just nice to be able to talk to an attorney that specializes in the area that you need in your life. Mostly, you know, especially the wills is really important and even traffic tickets will go to court for you um, if you get a traffic ticket, no matter where it is in the country. You could be in California, New Jersey, Florida, anywhere, and we'll go to court for you. Oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a really nice plan. And, like, the company has been around since 1972. So we're not a startup company. We've been around a long time. So how did you get into this, Jackie? A friend introduced it to me, and it's all through networking. (laughs) You know, we all go back to networking. I met her through a networking event. I thought the plan was great. I was going through a lot of life changes six, seven years ago because I was in business with my now ex-husband and I needed to change. I was on a radio show also at the same time um, and I needed to support myself. And I was like, okay, you know, keep your options open. And I decided, hey, why not? because it's a great opportunity and you could do it part-time or full-time. And then we, we were talking about networking and always keeping your options open has brought me to so many different things with networking that even yesterday, I, from 11 years ago where I met somebody, he called me yesterday because I've always been nice. I always say be respectful to people. He called me to be on his board. So you just don't know where networking will lead you. Right. What kind of networking events do you go to typically? (laughs) I go to a lot. (laughs) Of course, I go to AOE. It's Association Mm -hmm. of Women Entrepreneurs and Inventors, uh, which is where I met you. But then I also belong to a lot of chambers. And I also run a networking group here in Monmouth County in New Jersey. It's called Simply Referrals. We just meet once a month, but then we also meet twice a week, actually, on Zoom. And that one brings in people from all over the country. And then the one here in New Jersey, I run. How do people find you online? I have a website, Jacqueline Berman, J-C-K-L-Y-N Berman, dot wearelegalshield.com. What's ahead for you? Are you excited to continue and grow this? I love it. You know, because of the social work background, I love protecting people. I just love the fact that I could calm somebody down when they get a letter or a phone call from somebody that they're in trouble with the law or, you know, somebody suing them. Or for me, I even used it because somebody's dog attacked my dog to give people comfort. It's just a nice feeling. Or if somebody's identity was stolen, that they, oh, I have somebody that can help me. So it's just really nice knowing I can help people. Very rewarding. I think what you're doing is obviously super important and everybody should be doing it. And you make it sound like it's very easy to do, where sometimes there was misconceptions that it might be difficult to set up a will or protect yourself. So I like that you're helping people. Thank you. And thank you for the opportunity. Excellent. Yes. So listeners, you are listening to Passage to Profit. 
the road to entrepreneurship with Elizabeth Gearhart and Kenya Gibson sitting in for Richard Gearhart. And our guest today has been Amy Scruggs. We just finished our two presenter interviews with Tom Derry and just who you just heard was Jackie Berman. If you missed any of the show, our podcast comes out tomorrow. And I feel like this was a really good show. We talked about things that are important right now today and novel ways of doing things, things you probably hadn't heard about before, especially with the car wash. So listen to the podcast if you missed any of it and we will be right back. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. It's passage to profit. Now it's time for Noah's retrospective. Noah Fleischman is our amazing producer here at Passage to Profit. And you know what? He just has a way of putting his best memories in perspective. I'm not wearing any pants. Film at 11. That's got to be the oldest TV anchorman spoof joke in the world. And it isn't even funny anymore. Think about it. We're all sort of our own anchor people in our own right now. We're appearing on our Teams meetings, our Zoom meetings, all looking great from the waist up, seated in our homes, our bedrooms, our living rooms. Well, why would you necessarily need to be wearing pants in a situation like that? It's kind of irrelevant now. This is the common image. It's the accepted understanding of who we are, of how we exist. And that's only the beginning. Have you been on Facebook lately? A lot of people are actually doing away with their real-life headshots in place of their cartoon avatars. It's kind of adorable, you know? The image of ourselves as we'd like to be in cartoon form. Pretty soon we're going to have animated avatars, presenting ourselves as we'd like to be in fantasy stories about our fantasy lives. Kind of like Yellow Submarine with the Beatles, only instead of make-believe Beatles, it's make-believe us. And it's great. We don't even have to leave the house or get dressed. Fabulous. Well, actually, I still want to make sure I look good, though, because I may have to take my computer in for repairs, and, well, I'm going to need to get dressed to do that, and I even have my pants picked out. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. I'm Kenya Gibson filling in for Richard Gearhart, and I'm here with Elizabeth, my co-host. This show has just gone by so quickly. I know. It's been really fun. Well, we always love having Amy Scruggs on our show. I got to say, Richard's going to be sorry he missed this one. But now it is time for our group discussion, and everybody gets the same question. So we're going to start with Amy. What is the best networking opportunity you think you've had? either ever or recently? For me, hands down, it was joining Rotary. And it was five years ago. I actually went in as a keynote speaker, not understanding really about Rotary International. And this group was just amazing. And I stayed and I've never left. And now I speak on national levels, but the family, the relationships and what they do for the world is incredible. And I think it's just opened up more opportunity, more real, genuine connections and opportunities for outreach than I could have ever dreamed before. Wow. I'm going to have to check into that. What about you, Tom? What network 
networking opportunity has been good for you? Yeah, I think the most important networking opportunity I ever had was actually was an accelerator program that I did in 2014 with my business. And the accelerator was called Unreasonable Institute. And it was like a couple of weeks long in Colorado. And they just surrounded us with amazing mentors and really great content. And we just, you know, I made some lifelong friends through that as well as some mentors that I still count on today. And I think that was really, really incredible. What about you, Jackie? Because the fact I network so much, I can't say one in particular, but as long as I come out with meeting one person that I really have a great connection with, I think it's successful. So I only look to meet one great connection. It goes both ways where they could help me and I could help them. Excellent. Okay, Kenya, your turn. That's good. I have to piggyback off of Jackie a little bit. I feel like the commonplace of just running into people, like the kitchen at work, right? I think if you just keep yourself open to those opportunities, I've had the most unique conversations. I've met the most unique people just standing in a kitchen, getting a cup of coffee or, you know, walking in the hallway. Just, I think always just having that ability to be approachable and be reciprocal opens you up to the opportunity to meet and connect to so many different people. And you never know where those little tiny conversations are going to go. Well, that is true. And you're very good at starting discussions with people. And I, I won't even get into Kevin Lane and how you found him on the beach. Oh, now. that I should have, I should have given that example. That's actually a great example. If I could share that. So I met Kevin Lane and his wife wife who are the creators of create a castle on a beach that my husband and I are walking down. And, you know, my inquisitive self was like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm building a sand castle. And lo and behold, they have this great toy that they were able to come on to passage to profit and promote, which helped them get onto shark tank. And now they are in BJ's Walmart. They've been on good morning America. They've been on all these little different things based on us just talking on the beach that day. They're an amazing couple. They work really hard. Too. Super nice people. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't gone to a lot lately, but the last one that Lisa Ascalese had that Jackie and I were talking about, the Association of Women Inventors and Entrepreneurs, <laughs> yeah. that, something like that, AOE. That's where I met Danielle that I started the Jersey Podcasts podcast with, but I, I like her events because everybody's really friendly and open to talking. And some of these other business events I've gone to, it's kind of hard to approach people sometimes. And that's not the case at Lisa's events. So I think she really puts on great events. Plus they're fun. Like I wouldn't even call it a conference. I'd call it an event. So that is that now it is time to wrap this up. Unfortunately, because I've been having a lot of fun today. Well, this has been a really fun hour. We would like to thank our producer, Noah Fleischman, and our program manager, Alicia Morrissey. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, Passage to Profit Show. Join us next week for another show of Passage to Profit, Road to Entrepreneurship. Thank you all for listening, and thanks to all of our participants. We'll see you next week. 